Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Humanly. My name's Daniel Reuters, and today I'm very pleased to be able to speak with Dr. Grayson Dart. Dr. Dart, welcome. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Look, I saw your podcast, I think, with Dr. Andrew Kaufman a few months ago, and he was introducing you as a new doctor working with him in his online practice. And I was really interested to hear what you had to say, because it seems like you've had a really interesting journey over the last couple of years, going through med school and now coming out and going and working in a practice with um, Dr. Kaufman. And I thought that was a really interesting move to go and do that line of work. Cause it's not often you hear many like recently graduated doctors who have sort of uh, come out of med school done. I think you did like a residency in family practice, which is probably similar to like general practice here in Australia to go and do all that study and then sort of not leave it all behind, but now look for alternatives in the forms of understanding how the human body works and how to treat the body. So did you want to, maybe just fill me in a little bit about what your experience was. Um, did you get like disillusioned with medicine before you'd started studying or was it like during study or after study? Like what was that process like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I guess, you know, I went into medical school, the whole purpose for me to go into the medical field, I, I wanted to go into what I thought at the time was the healing art, right. Where, um, I could be a service to people. I could make a good living. Um, and I could really, my, my real goal was to help people overcome illness and overcome disease and be healthy again. And, um, a lot of the reason I went into medical school myself is because I was just a really sick kid growing up. I, I had really bad allergies and, uh, really bad asthma and my asthma was, so bad, in fact, that, you know, I was hospitalized multiple times. And so um, my mother and my father, they just just went with what the doctors ordered. So I was put on a lot of different medications. And um, I think that background of, of being really sick myself really helped open my eyes. You know, I kind of had some empathy for people because I knew what it was like to be really sick. And so um, when I went into medical school, I was still actually taking a lot of my asthma medications, um, because I had never really thought, you know, I think I was asleep, you know, I was, I never really thought that maybe I could actually fix or cure my asthma. It was something I just accepted. Like, this is part of who I am. The doctors told me it was a genetic disease and there's a lot of triggers. You know, I went and did like allergy testing and I, pretty much everything they tested me for, I was like reacting to, you know? And so, um, when I went into medical school, the whole thought process for me was like, okay, I'm going to go in get really good grades. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get a really good residency. I'm going to compete and just try to, to land a residency spot where I could be, uh, you know, maybe a surgeon, a neurosurgeon, uh, maybe a dermatologist, but then it was my second year of medical school. So I'm, I'm sure it's set up pretty similarly as it is uh, where you live, but the first two years is really a lot of the book work. And so, uh, when I was doing my studies, 
I was really just, you know, it was like 12, 13, 14 hours a day of just really studying, going to lectures, sitting down, um, putting a lot of time and energy and effort into it. And then about my second year of medical school, we did a pulmonary workshop and the professor at the time, he was teaching like pulmonary physiology and pathology. And we were actually discussing asthma. So it really, you know, I perked up because this is the condition that I have. And we went through the pathology of what, what they say asthma is. (laughs) And then um, on top of that, we went through all the possible treatments and I remember looking at the paper that we were studying from and listening to the lecture and all of the treatments were like prescription medications, right? You have these inhaled corticosteroids, you have these bronchodilators, uh, there's some leukotriene inhibitors. And right then and there, it was something clicked where I thought, okay, is there any other option? Is it possible to not have to take these medications for the rest of your life. So I actually asked the professor at the time, um, is it, you know, if you're an an adult and you're taking these medications, is it possible to cure asthma? And so the professor, he frankly just said, no, there's no real cure. Uh, You can only manage the symptoms of asthma. And right then it was like a light bulb went off. And you know, my memory is just a little bit fuzzy, but thinking back to it, it's like, you know, my, my grandparents, their parents, my ancestors, like they didn't have these medications and they survived just fine. Why is it that this crazy genetic disease is something that I'm going to have to take medications for the rest of my life? And so that day really was a spark for me to look into some alternatives because I'm being taught in medical school. Here's the allopathic version of how to treat asthma. And I, I went to osteopathic medical school. So we, we learn all the allopathic stuff. And then you get a little bit of a perspective from like the musculoskeletal side. Um, but really it just started a journey for me. And one thing led to another. Um, I, I found the work of Kelly Brogan, uh, another doctor, Dr. Russell Jaffe. And I actually met Dr. Russell Jaffe at a conference. And after meeting these practitioners that uh, we're a little outside of the box, not practicing the standard of care. I started to learn that, yeah, absolutely. You can reverse this condition. And, uh, (laughs) once I realized that it was kind of like, okay, so I'm, I'm now questioning the standard of care for asthma. Well, what about the standard of care for diabetes? And what about the standard of care for all these other things? Right. And so by the time I, uh, was in my third and fourth year of medical school. Uh, it just, everything just kind of snowballed. And while I'm doing my training and in a lot of debt at the time as well, I realized that medicine doesn't really heal. It, it's kind of like it, it only manages just like my professor said, and there's no real incentive for the mainstream medical model to actually get to the root cause of people's symptoms and maybe what's actually causing the problem in the first place. So I became disillusioned and awakened at the same time during my education. But then, as you know, once you're done with medical school, uh, you, you go into your postgraduate training, your residency. 
And so there's all kinds of specialties and different options. And I actually was so disillusioned that I thought maybe I should do research and maybe I could become like a researcher because my third and fourth year of medical school was the rotation years where you go with different doctors and specialties, you go in the hospital and you rotate with just a lot of different people to see all the different specialties. And one thing I noticed was nobody was really getting better. You know, I would talk to the doctors and uh, we would have these patients with these chronic diseases that they had been coming for years to them. Right. And it was like a new medication here, uh, a new medication there. Maybe this new medication will work and they'll stop having their problems. But I just started to see a pattern where people weren't really getting better. They were only getting worse. And maybe, you know, you could slow down the like, the process a little bit, but as time went on, I started to wonder, could a lot of these treatments actually be causing more problems? And so I started to do a little bit of research on my own. And about that time, John Hopkins university released a publication that showed that medical intervention was the third leading cause of death in the United States. And I don't know if you remember reading that or not, but, um, when I read that, I started to really consider like, man, maybe I'm going into a profession that's not really helping people, but it's actually hurting people. And so uh, I was a little bit angry at the time I was uh, on social media and I was like sending messages to a lot of the other medical students at the time. And I kind of became like a controversial medical student. (laughs) And, um, one of the things I decided to tackle at the time was like, should I'm going to look into vaccines because up until that point, I just thought, yeah, you vaccinate your kids. These anti-vaxxers are crazy. Uh, you know, they're kind of lunatics, whatever. And, um, when I actually thought about it, because I, I, I have four children, uh, two of them were born during medical school. And so it was really a, a choice for me. Okay. Am I going to vaccinate my kids? Or am I going to really look into this? And so, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies and um, sorry, I'm getting some, some noise here. I'll turn on my, there we go. Okay. No problem. (laughs) So when I decided to look into the vaccine issue, um, I, I put my first daughter on like a delayed schedule because I thought, okay, well, maybe all these vaccines aren't good. And intuitively too, you know, I just, I felt really weird giving vaccines to my kids. It just didn't seem right. And I can't tell you how many people I've met now where that's the same exact story where they're like, they go in, the mother is just feeling inside of her. Wow, this is not good, but I'm doing it anyway, because this doctor's an expert, right? And I don't know anything. And I'm so afraid of these deadly diseases happening. I could never live with myself if I didn't vaccinate my kids. So that was like the mind frame I was coming into it initially. But then as I looked at a lot of the different studies, you know, you have Miller's review of 200 studies. And I started to listen to uh, Kelly Brogan's information on vaccines as well. And I discovered that, wow, a lot of, you know, they say that autism is not caused by vaccines, but I've seen so many articles where there's definitely a connection. And I think it's a little bit more complicated than just a vaccine, but, um, I decided, and my wife and I decided, you know what, we're not going to vaccinate our kids because not only did I look into a lot of the research, but I tried to 
figure out what the logic behind the vaccine was. And after talking to my professors, there didn't really seem to be any good logic of why we were giving the hepatitis B vaccine to children. You know, if the mother didn't have hepatitis B, why in the world would we inject this uh, vaccine into a brand new baby, right? Who's at very low risk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's spread through sexual contact and, and IV drug use or like blood exposure or whatever, like how would a baby be at risk of this? Right. Mm. And so I didn't really get like logically it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, lo- so logic. And then on top of that, emotionally, I just didn't feel right about it. And then the research showing, wow, there's actually a big connection to a lot of problems that kids are experiencing. And then about 2000, oh boy, I think it was 17 or 18, Dr. Tom Cowan released his book on autoimmunity and vaccines. And so, you know, I had so many experiences like this where it was like one piece of the puzzle falls, another piece of the puzzle falls. Mm -hmm. And I start to realize that medicine isn't going to heal anybody. I have to look outside. And so I, I, I kind of put my head down and I went into residency. I went into family practice. Uh, they say that the family practice residency, you know, you, you are kind of like the general practitioner, right? You get a little bit of knowledge of everything. And um, I had a really good mentor who told me, you know, just put your head down, learn the dark side so that you can bring people to the light. And that's kind of how I viewed my whole residency training. And those three years of residency were tough <laughs> mm, <I bet. laughs> because I didn't, I didn't really have like, there wasn't anything inside of me that was like, yeah, this is my path. This is what I need to do. Most of it was like, okay, you got to go in there, put your head down, be quiet a little bit and just learn as much as you can. And everything I thought and learned in medical school was just reinforced. None of my patients over those three years, I had, I had patients for three straight years and doing the standard of care none of them got better. They Hmm. only got worse. And, um, the only people I saw that really truly made like some significant improvement were those where I was close enough with them to introduce some of the things I was learning in the natural healing world, you know, talking about nutrition and eliminating a lot of the toxic exposures we're exposed to, but I really had to do that in like a secretive way because every note I made, and everything I did, I had an attending looking over my shoulder, right? They right. read all my notes and everything. So I, I tried to do the best I could uh, with considering the context and the situation. And so when I finally graduated and finished my residency, I was left with the decision of, do I go get a high paying job and continue to practice in a way that is you know, reprehensible to me morally. And also I I'm not passionate about because it doesn't seem to really work or do I try to go through an alternative path? And so I, I tried to go down, you know, the natural healing realm, but it's really difficult because I didn't really have the business skills. Um, I didn't have a ton of experience in natural healing as well. And so I, I hooked up with Dr. Tom Cowan and Dr. Andrew Kaufman to basically undergo like some sort of a mentorship. Mm. And when Dr. Kaufman and I met, we really just hit it off. You know, our philosophy seemed to align really well. And he was actually kind of considering taking on a fellow at the time. And um, after listening to a lot of his work and studying under him, 
it just seemed really appropriate and almost like the stars aligned, you know, the universe brought him into my life and maybe me into his. And now I'm doing like an official fellowship where he and I talk every week. I'm seeing uh, clients. We're doing consultations. Um, I see a lot of people each week and we do it all through zoom. And uh, now I'm able to have a lot of experience under my belt helping people with a variety of conditions while also being mentored by someone who has a lot of experience in that realm. So for me, it really is really interesting because if you would have told me during medical school or during residency that I would be mentored by someone who's an expert in natural healing and doing all of my work online and, you know, being able to make a living enough to where I can feed my family, I would have, you know, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but it just seems like when you do what's what you know to be right, things just seem to work out. And for me, it's really seemed to work out to where, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing today. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a background of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And there's so many um, points that you've made in there. We can expand on a little bit further. And one of those was you mentioned a lot of your student colleagues were you were having discussions with them about what you were learning in regards to sort of the natural medicine side of things. Were they receptive to what you were saying or was there a lot of resistance there? You know, there was a, there was a group in my medical school. It was like the integrative medicine group. Right. Oh, okay. And so I was thinking like, okay, they're integrative, right. They're going to integrate this natural healing into mm. medicine. And so uh, with, a few of those students, I tried to share some of this information, but even then they were pretty resistant. I mean, since I'm, I'm fairly uh, close to that time period where I was a student and I was a resident, you know, I finished residency like about a year ago. Um, it's really interesting because you go into medical school, just really, you're really green, you know, you're just really fresh. You, you don't know much. Uh, a lot of uh, your belief systems and knowledge, you, you put your trust in, you know, these systems like, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the CDC, the, the medical boards, your professors, the medical school you're going to, they know everything we really don't. And so you're, you're basically like, you're very brainwashable. <laughs> and so um, not many of them. And I, I think just in general, people who go that route, uh, they're, they're kind of primed to just accept information and, and basically be like another cog in the wheel, you know, just uh, a, a lot of people go into medical school. Uh, there's a, a little bit of an ego side to it too. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a prestigious career. You're going to make a name for yourself. And so if you follow what they say correctly, like, you know, these certain specialties will make a lot of money and it's really tough because you go into a lot of debt. And so, I guess the main point I'm bringing up is a lot of the students didn't want to hear what I had to say because it was going against what we were being taught. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, there was actually one student and him and I have been pretty close since this time that agreed a lot with what I had to say. And he was undergoing like some health problems himself as well. And the fact that both he and I had like a chronic condition, I think we were a little bit more receptive to the idea that maybe the mainstream medical science and, and practice doesn't have the answers for us. Let's look outside the box. And now that I've looked outside of the box, I realized that the box I was in 
doesn't really, you know, it, it, it's whole point. You can't even really say the word cure or heal in medicine. You, you use words more like manage and um, treatment, you know, like here's the treatment options and here's the statistics for you. But you're, you know, there's like no cures allowed, you know, and I didn't really like that because I want to provide the best results for people, including myself as possible. And uh, I've come to understand that that's outside of the standard of care, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think from my experience, and it sounds a little bit like what you're saying is that people have this assumption that if you get sick, you're going to go to your doctor and they're going to fix you. They're going to give you the mm -hmm. magic pill or they're going to give you a magic treatment and everything will be better. And it's proven and it's scientific and it's evidence-based and anything outside of that is quackery. But a lot of the time people will enter into that system expecting to find an answer. They'll go through the entire system for years upon years, do every test, see every specialist, have every treatment, and they never get better. And it's at that point, I think a lot of people then look outside the box and say, right, what else is there available? And they then start to explore alternative or natural medicine. And it's just a shame that they didn't explore that at the start. Uh, because yeah. I think that a lot of people spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to get their health back. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it sort of sounds like, uh, you know, that is probably happening a lot with people going into medicine. It's like I've been taught that this is going to be the answer and everything in here is going to tell me how to treat X, Y, Z condition. And you come out the other end and you go, well, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And for some reason, people like yourselves and your colleague that you were talking about sort of see those missing pieces of the puzzle and, and want to find out more, but many don't. Um, and maybe it's just challenging their paradigm a bit too much, but yeah. Also, yeah. the thing that I was going to say is that you probably don't know what you don't get taught. So you go to yeah. medicine or you go into medicine and you think, well, I'm going to get taught everything that there is to know about what humanity has discovered in regards to treating asthma, for example. And you come out with that knowledge, you go, right, this is how we treat it with corticosteroids. Mm -hmm. But you said that your professor didn't know anything about how to treat asthma. So then you've yeah. come out as a doctor now and you don't know that food or your lifestyle or toxins or, you know, all these other really simple sort of straightforward things can have a, a big impact. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Did, was there anything that you wanted to sort of. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. I mean, it's a good connection that you made too, between uh, how doctors go through the medical system and then they kind of get used to, here's how I treat diabetes based upon what, you know, the American endocrine system or uh, society has taught me to do. And here's what the standard of care is. And I do it and their A1Cs go down, but it's like now they're on drugs for the rest of their life. And they don't even consider a lot of the side effects too. That's one thing I noticed was uh, doctors do a really good job of ignoring medication side effects. And they think that people just get placed in the hospital or have these emergencies out of nowhere. But a lot of the times it's the medications that are causing these issues. And then, but at the same time that their career is on the line, you know, I don't know if there's a, a 
a true word for this, but maybe it's like income bias. You know, you're making a great income doing what you're doing. And so you're going to be biased towards that because if you go, if you do something different, your income might change, right? <laughs> you, you lose your job or uh, whatever the case might be. But um, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of, uh, I think, integrity to just question, hey, I'm not getting the results for my patients that I think they deserve maybe there's another way to do this. And, you know, for a patient, it's easy because they're not getting the results that they want. And, you know, a, a big majority of my clients, they, they kind of come from that realm where they've been let down by the mainstream medical system and the standard of care. And so they're looking for, Hey, there's gotta be something else out there. Is there another answer? Unfortunately, a lot of people don't even ask that question, but the ones who do, they tend to find people like ourselves, right? Um, and, and, but what's funny is they don't really have the, the income bias, you know, they're willing to look outside the box. Right. And also too, I've noticed that, that people or my clients that do come to me and want to take responsibility for their health, they're willing to, to make some changes in their life. Those are the ones that get results. And I find that those that just stay stuck in the medical mainstream, they kind of have that victim mentality where they think the doctor or the hospital or the intervention is going to cure them. And they, they have a hard time of just really having integrity and saying, okay, I'm going to take control of my own health now. And I feel like that's like a threshold for a lot of people to cross that it's time for me to take control of this myself. And I don't even, you know, even though I have a medical degree, I'm board certified, um, I view myself more as a guide for people much less than like, Oh, I'm the doctor. You're the patient. Let me take over and heal you. I'm, I look at it more like, Hey, here's the tools of what has worked for a lot of people. I want to educate you and help you. Now it's time for you to take this home and really take it upon yourself to heal yourself. That's the cool thing that I, I really enjoy watching people is they're the healer. Now they have become empowered. And, you know, you might, it might take a few sessions with me to get to that point, but I'm not reinforcing that medical model where people are constantly coming back for follow-ups and we got to do some screening now. And, you know, a lot of these screening tests just rope people into the medical system. Like, oh, your, your cholesterol is elevated. You got to get on this medication now. Now you're on the medication. You got to come back to me to make sure the side effects aren't good. We got to do more lab tests and people can get roped into that system really easily. Whereas in the natural healing world where people take control of their own well-being and their own health, um, they really find the power within themselves. They start to make the habit changes and the lifestyle changes. And, you know, there's some interventions that are pretty hefty duty, you know, like uh, I'm sure you've heard Dr. Kaufman talk about the turpentine protocol. It's not like natural healing. You know, a lot of people view it as like, Oh yeah, I died in exercise. It's really not that way. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do and we can be pretty aggressive to basically set the conditions for their body to heal. But it really does take people to get into that mind frame where I'm going to take control of my own health and well-being. And for me as a doctor, I had to kind of cross that threshold too and say, I'm going to take responsibility for my knowledge and look outside to see if there's a, a way to get much better results than what I'm seeing with my own eyes and what I'm observing with my own eyes. Yeah. And, and I guess you have to go through all those experiences that you've been through to be able to come to this conclusion. 
So even though you were on a bit of a hard road there through medical school, it sounds like the learning and experience that you've had over the last couple of years has, has been really beneficial for you. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> the way the word to describe my my training is it really did suck <laughs> it was hard <laughs> but at the same time it's kind of like it, it's it's kind of like that journey like anything in life worth it there is some difficult times and there's some difficult moments and um it's helped me to have a little bit more empathy for folks that are struggling with their health too because i think with anything in life that's worth it and valuable you do go through some low times but you can really appreciate, you really appreciate your health a lot more when you have been really sick. You know, um, if you're just like perfectly healthy all the time, you kind of take it for granted. But for me to be in this position now, I'm super grateful because I've been through that, that, uh, time in my life that was a little bit of a dark period where I had to wake up and go do things that I wasn't truly excited for, but it was almost like, it's what I had to go through, you know, it's where I had, what I had to do in order to become who I am now. And, uh, you know, I, I still don't know a lot, but that's the beauty of me being able to find somebody to do like a real true fellowship. Uh, there's very few opportunities out there where you can find somebody that's going to mentor you like, like I have right now. And so I'm super, super grateful to be in this position, but at the same time, uh, because of the internet and because of, uh, the information that's out there, a lot of this information can be learned on people's own. You know, like you, if you spend enough time reading and listening to interviews and, and experts in the field, you can learn so much. For instance, uh, before we started this podcast, and, and I emailed you about this too, my wife and I met with Tommy John. And, uh, you know, if people want to Google who that is, he's like uh, pretty much an expert when it comes to injuries and musculoskeletal stuff. But after visiting with him for two hours with my wife, he's now helped me to see, you know, the body is a, is a whole unit and that includes your tendons and your bones and your muscles. It's all connected, you know, your, your blood, your circulation, your digestion, your nervous system. It's like, it's, it's so beautiful to see how all of this integrates together. And because of, uh, you know, one of the beauties of technology, there's a lot of downsides, but one of the beauties is I was able to learn in those two hours so much more than I ever would have through, you know, a traditional like textbook or something of that nature. So for people out there that may not be in a position to, to do a fellowship, I still think there's a lot of really good information where you can learn on your own and you can kind of practice and, and test yourself and get to a point where you can know quite a bit of good information. What was the, the thing that sticks out in your mind the most having learned in medical school and then coming out the other side and now doing this fellowship with Dr. Kaufman in natural healing, that's given you something that's challenged that belief system or that understanding of the human body. Like, is there like the some traditional viewpoint of the, like the medical model viewpoint of the body? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So was there something in, in your mind that sticks out that medicine says, this is how this condition works. This is what causes this condition. And then you've come out and you've done your fellowship with Andy. And he said, actually, no, this is how it works. Is there anything? I see. That, I see. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's a couple of things or maybe one thing that stands out in your mind. Well, the one thing for me, uh, you know, cause I, I did a lot of shadowing with him before. And then now I've had my own clients for quite a while now. Um, and 
you know, every time I do a consultation, I, I give people my personal email and we stay in touch. And we, a lot of times we'll do follow-ups too. But um, one thing that's been really amazing for me to see is that these complex chronic diseases, autoimmune diseases, heart failure, even cancer, it's been really amazing to witness how people can actually heal from those because in medical school and residency, you're taught like there's like some incurable diseases, you know, someone has lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, like they got to be on methotrexate the rest of their life or else they're going to develop all these horrible things. So it's been really fun to witness, uh, you know, coming at it with a, a systems biology, a terrain theory, um, understanding of the human body, you know, you set the conditions in such a way where, you know, you're, you're nourishing the body, you're eliminating toxins and you're, you know, you're making sure that they're well hydrated. And then obviously there's some mind body aspect to it as well, but you set up these conditions of how the body should be working. And it's amazing to see how people can, you know, get off their blood pressure medications, get off their diabetic medications, stop taking, uh, these really crazy toxic drugs for their rheumatoid arthritis, you know, and seeing like ejection fractions, even though I don't even recommend people do, uh, to go get an echocardiogram, but those that choose to do so anyway, it's crazy to see how their ejection fraction improves so much. And then the cardiologist is like totally taken aback. And I've heard stories from people of how their cardiologist can't, they just can't believe it. They don't see that, you know? And so it's because these people are going through, um, they're going through the natural way that the human body is designed to heal. You know, that's how our biology really works. So really seeing the connection of the body, all the parts are important, but then how simple, you know, I, I used to view it as like disease focused, even when I was getting into the integrative world and the functional medicine world, I would try to, uh, I would kind of think of it as you know, you have this diagnosis, here's your disease. Now, what do you do for this particular disease? But now I'm starting to understand that I don't really view it from disease anymore. There's really like, there's a lot of manifestations that we call disease that can occur from the same thing. You know, like if someone's dehydrated, they could have cardiovascular uh, manifestations, or they could have neurological manifestations or gastrointestinal manifestations. And so I, I'm trying not to view it in the lens of disease anymore, but what is the body lacking? And maybe on top of that, what are the toxins? Because we live in such a toxic world that could be really messing up the physiology of the body. You know, physiology should be the most important thing we learn in, in medical school. But, uh, you know, you spend, I don't know, maybe 12 months learning physiology, but then you get two years of pathology. So that like how the body should be working. And even then I question, is that really how the body works? <laughs> but uh, then you just learn all the pathology and you become very pathology focused. And when people are like so fixated on what's wrong with the body, they get put into a state of fear. And then the doctor has total authority. Like, Hey, this is what could happen to you if you don't take these drugs. And then people just end up complying because it's, it's all based on fear. So hopefully that answers your question, but, um, it really is amazing to witness and not everybody has like these great results, but a lot more people than I ever thought would are having these great results. And it's pretty fun to witness. 
Yeah. And it's, it's almost like medicine in a way views the disease as the cause or the disease as the problem. It's like, why did I get diabetes? Oh, well, we don't really know. It's probably genetic or you just had bad luck and your body's doing something wrong. But on the flip side of that, when you look at it from a natural medicine perspective, it's like the body's responding to something. The body's being put out of balance by something. There's an underlying cause there, whether it be a nutritional deficiency or a toxin or something that you've alluded to previously, that's the underlying driving cause. So you can come in and, and try and bring down people's blood sugar with say like a um, metformin or something like that. And on paper, awesome. Your HbA1c is now lower, but if you introduce sugar back into that person's diet, oh, well, the, the problem comes back. And we look at that and we go, oh, well then, then sugar must be to blame. But then you look a little bit further and you find out actually there's a whole bunch of toxins in the environment, which are endocrine disrupting substances, which can impair the body's capacity to metabolize glucose. So then there's this whole other sort of side of things that I'm not sure. Like, did you ever hear about that sort of stuff in medical school about all these endocrine disrupting chemicals and stuff that are in our environment? Not at all. You know, uh, I think maybe like a lecture or two of like, toxicology was uh, brought up, but it was, you know, more about like massive amounts of mercury poisoning. So so that's kind of one thing that I realized is the way that I was taught these uh, like zebra diseases, which very, very rarely happen. But, uh, you know, for instance, like scurvy, vitamin C deficiency to where people's teeth are falling out, you know, and like all kinds of bleeding and different things. Well, what about like a mild form of scurvy? We don't really get taught that in medical school, right? Where maybe there is a little bit of like internal bleeding or people are bleeding from their gums or they just don't have enough ascorbate to quench the free radicals in their system. Um, we're always taught like the most extreme version of toxicology in medical school. You know, like what if you had um, like an arsenic poisoning, what that does and how it manifests and what the treatments are. But we don't really talk about the chronic endocrine disrupting chemicals that we're being exposed to on a daily basis. And luckily there's like, you know, I, I think uh, there's a book called Estro Generation. There's another book called Countdown where uh, they discuss these endocrine disrupting chemicals and how they're affecting like our fertility But not only that, it's like how many thyroid disorders and diabetes and pancreas disorders, but then also like, um, you know, how are they affecting the, the ovaries and people's hormone levels in general? And we're being exposed to these on a regular basis. Like it's really hard not to interact with plastic in our world today, right? It's really hard to avoid, uh, flame retardants. And it's really difficult to get away from all the crazy chemicals in our personal care products. But that's basically for me, when I reversed my own asthma, I started to, I cleaned out like a lot of my personal care products. I started drinking clean water. Just, just think about it. Like people drink tap water. Think about all the garbage (laughs) that is in tap water, like fluoride affecting iodine, which would affect your thyroid. And, um, you know, fluoride has been associated with low IQs. And not only that, you have chlorine in the water, there's been like fecal matter in there and antidepressants and psychiatric drugs found in tap water. So it's like people are being poisoned on a regular basis without knowing it. And it's at 
at such a level where it's not so frankly obvious. But when I have a person go through like, you know, for their particular disorder, like a good detoxification protocol, a lot of times, whatever their issue is, is totally results, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, in, in the medical education system, toxins are just completely ignored. And I think a big reason of that is because pharmaceutical drugs are very toxic to the body. Uh, we know a lot about liver enzymes and how things are eliminated from the body because of pharmacology. Um, a lot of these pharmacological drugs, they're, they're horrible for the liver, but then there's other tissues that they negatively affect as well. And so, um, yeah, I think just, just toxins in general is a totally underappreciated science that you have to really independently look for if you go through the traditional mode of education. Yeah, and we look at disease and, and humanity as a whole is looking at this increasing level of chronic disease and, and morbidity in the world and disability, and we're scratching our heads saying, we don't know why. It must be a genetic thing or it must be a germ or it must be something that we haven't yet discovered. And we put the focus on that. And it's, and it's an approach to health by kill, burn, ablate, poison, suppress. Um, yep. When in fact, if people actually realized that the toxicity in the environment is contributing significantly to their illness, if we actually really cottoned onto that fact, I have a feeling that there'd be a lot of unhappy people when they realize that we're being slowly poisoned to death. Um, And they would probably start rioting in the streets. It's like, take the poison out of our water. Stop spraying our poison. uh, Stop our poison. Most people's food is poison. (laughs) Stop spraying our food with poison. Like just do those two separate things and let's see what happens to the health of, of the community. But no one really seems to want to do that because as you said, those amounts of pesticides and herbicides and things are in such small levels that we don't ever consider the fact that maybe they're building up in our body and it's really hard to get rid of them. And they get to a certain sort of low grade concentration and they start disrupting some processes in our body. We call it disease. We come in and we go, Oh, look, there's a virus here. That's, that's the cause of your problem. And we never then really look at the true cause. We're always focused over here when we should be focused over here. Exactly. You know, that's, that's one thing that, uh, you know, my first introduction to Dr. Tom Cowan was his like, I don't know, eight minute clip where he just questioned the idea of viruses in general and suggested that they're most likely exosomes. When I saw that video, I was in residency, like a light bulb just went off and I didn't really understand why a light bulb went off, but now I do, uh, because I, I followed his work. Obviously he mentored me too. We, we did a mentorship program for about a year And now, you know, I I speak with Tom on a regular basis, but, um, and then when I met Andy too, you know, he spent with his forensics background, he spent countless hours going through the virology research to determine like what are viruses actually, and kind of debunking this germ theory that all of modern medicine is basically based around. And I don't claim to be an expert. I've, I've uh, learned from him. I've done my own independent research and, and reading. And, you know, it, goes, it dates back all the way to like Louis Pasteur, the father of microbiology, right? And 
what I've noticed is the practitioners who get the best results, they, they do have that terrain theory, um, like an underlying terrain theory, you strengthen the terrain of the body and like disease goes away. Right. And they're the ones that are getting the outcomes that I want to help people to get to. They're able to help other people to reverse these crazy decades long chronic diseases, things that I thought were impossible to cure. I'm witnessing now with my own eyes, people overcoming these things. And if I was to base what I do on germ theory, I know for a fact, I would not be getting these results because I saw what those results were in the hospital and clinics that I worked in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely think that uh, a, a lot of people with this whole, you know, scamdemic that we underwent for the last several years, it was, it, it kind of separated a lot of people. I, I know that it was very divisive, but you either kind of like dug your heels in and, and really went with the idea of this viral illness and, and viruses in general and germ theory and listening and obeying the, the masters that be and following what your government tells you. Or I think it woke a lot of people up. Like for me, it was a big blessing because it helped me to awaken even more to a deeper understanding of how the body truly works and to even question germ theory and viruses and a lot of these infections and different things. And then, you know, when you, when you really break it down with viruses too, it really makes you question just the vaccine program that so many kids. And that's another sad thing in my residency too. I did witness a lot of kids with vaccine injuries, right? Um, unfortunately, but when you also kind of dig into the germ theory versus terrain theory, and obviously terrain theory is not perfect by any means, but it really begs the question, like, what are these vaccines even for? Because they're, they're harming your terrain and they're not really protecting you from this boogeyman illness <laughs> mm. that we all get threatened and feel afraid of. And, uh, you know, for my own kids, um, like my, my two youngest girls, we didn't vaccinate them at all. And they're very robustly healthy. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to question that and, and decide against it. But now that we've done it, I'm so grateful because I know that they're not going to, going to experience that harm that a lot of other people have had inflicted upon them. Yeah. And was that a difficult thing, like conversation for you to have with the doctor when you were like, Hey, we don't really want to do this with our children. Cause like, I'm not trying to compare animals and humans here, but we've got like a little dog. <laughs> Um, and when we got him and we took him to the vet, they were like, oh, you have to inject your dog with all this stuff. We're like, well, we are not going to do that. And we had a bit of a hard time just with the vet. So I'm just sort of imagining how difficult it must have been for you in a hospital um, trying to deal with another human being um, about what's best right, what is best for your yeah. family. Like, how did you get a, how did you deal with that situation? It must have been a lot of resistance there. Yeah, you know, uh, unfortunately, with my my first child, we we uh, we did vaccinate her some until I recognize um, the truth of what vaccines really are. And then my my second child, we only gave him like one vaccine. But uh, with that, it was like, OK, I, I we used to take my my daughter to the pediatrician. We used to take my son to the pediatrician. But by the time my two twin girls were born. We didn't like they were born natural home birth, even oh, against wow. what like 
a lot of these uh, specialists like neonatologists and stuff against their recommendation because they thought that my wife needed a C-section. She birthed those babies in a water tub at home. It was beautiful. Everything went well. We Luckily, we had a really good midwife that was, um, you know, she thought very similarly to us. So my two youngest daughters have like, they've never been to a traditional doctor. And luckily, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm I know quite a bit now, but I think that anybody, if they do enough research and, and uh, you know, maybe learn from people in our situation that they don't have to take their kids to the doctor. Uh, you know, there's a famous book, I believe written in the eighties by Robert Mendelson, how to raise a healthy child, despite your pediatrician. <laughs> so we just stopped taking the kids to the doctors in general, like no one even has to ask a question about vaccines anymore because we just don't even take them to the doctor. And we're in the process now of trying to determine how to help our kids uh, with like the educational system and really getting into like a homeschooling environment, because that's another thing that the educational system really tries to hammer the vaccines. Right. And so what, what we've realized is like all these institutions and all these systems, they're kind of becoming obsolete now because they don't really improve our well-being. They're not helping us, you know, they're, they're not blessing our lives like we thought they used to. Right. Or at mm-hmm. least what I thought they used to. So um, I think like maybe one or two conversations with the pediatrician and they were pretty cool about it. You know, I really you just have to just kind of dig your heels in and, and be really just strong and powerful about it. <laughs> and then they'll, they'll comply, you know, hopefully. Um, but then it's been really interesting because so many people that I know now and a lot of our friends and neighbors and things, uh, without us even saying anything, they'll just come up to us and be like, Hey, do you, do you vaccinate your kids? And then we'll be honest, like, no. And they'll say, wow, I've, I've really felt wrong about doing this. Like, can you give me some information? Um, I think a lot of people are questioning that now, you know, because they saw what was placed upon us with this whole, uh, this crazy shot that everyone's been getting. Right. And so I I think the hardest thing for us was just our initial time where we thought, okay, should we vaccinate or not? And really gaining enough knowledge and courage and realizing that these vaccines are going to do more harm than they are going to help. And now I'm of the belief that they don't help at all and they strictly harm people. The only thing that they might be able to do is give people a false sense of like peace of mind. Um, but otherwise I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty against any type of vaccine. <laughs> have you read the book dissolving illusions? I have not read that one, but I know of it. I've, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. I recently interviewed one of the authors and I've got him coming on the podcast, which I'm going to release today, actually. Um, oh, cool. so that'll be available for, for people to have a look at. And I know that this will be yeah. released after um you know for today, me but... um because i know that there's a lot of good uh good information out there um i've heard a lot of really good things about that book uh for me mm. it was you know kelly brogan's work dr russell jaffe's work uh miller's 200 reviews of the the science you know there's 200 papers that he reviews there and then dr cowan's book on autoimmunity mm. and vaccines and you know that was enough for me to realize but then also witnessing with my own eyes kids being injected coming in shortly thereafter. And it's like, 
obvious that their body's rejecting it, but the pediatrician's like, oh no, this must be just otitis media and here's an antibiotic. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's like a tragic comedy almost, you know? It's yeah. like, the only thing I can do is just like try to laugh it off because it's it's a little bit traumatizing to witness that with your own eyes. And um, I think the most thing that parents can do is just really educate themselves and listen to that podcast that you're going to release and then read the books. And those in the, uh, you, you know, it's such a weird label, but the anti-vax community, right? Like the anti-vaccine community is the most educated, in my opinion, on the harm that vaccines can do to people. Hmm. Yeah. And certainly before like 2019, I wouldn't have questioned any of that. I was fully on board. You know, if I was going overseas, I'd be at my doctors asking them if I need travel vaccinations and things like that. But yeah, I've certainly been exposed to it. So you've had an awakening recently too, huh? Well, I've always been um, naturally minded with, with medicine and health. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know about the whole virus germ thing. Um, like mm. I didn't realize that it was actually the truth of the matter. And I had been exposed to that in my undergraduate degree back in like 2005 or six, whenever it was, I was studying that. And I just sort of pushed it off as nonsense because we've already, mm. we've scientifically proven germs and, and viruses <laughs> and things cause disease. And just like my last sort of discussion point for you today um, is if not a germ, then what causes disease? And what can people do to help their bodies to heal? I know you've mentioned a few of these already, but do you think you could give like a bit of a succinct rundown on what you see causing disease and what you see healing disease? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this comes from like my own personal experience, but then also like uh, personal experience with my own health, but then also witnessing, you know, the dozens and dozens of, well, hundreds of people that I'm working with now that, um, seeing their results as well. But, you know, I think if I were to break it down very simply, as simply as possible, it's really like, you could kind of almost break it down into like two categories and that would be, um, like malnourishment. So that would include a lot of things like do you have enough water? Do you have enough of like the, the basic uh, vitamins and minerals and cofactors and macromolecules that your body needs to function correctly? But then on top of that, like, you know, are you being spiritually nourished and emotionally nourished? Are you getting out into nature and being nourished by the sun? Right. And um, you can kind of take that nourishment side to a lot of different points. But then um, on the next thing too, which I would argue is, is probably like the biggest factor for most people, if you've lived on this planet, you know, for long enough is there's like a poisoning or a toxicity too, where, um, you know, it could be endocrine disruptors, heavy metals. I mean, all the things that are in vaccines and medicines, uh, to the stuff that's in your tap water and your personal care products and, dirty electricity and EMFs, but then also are you having like, you know, toxic thoughts too? And are you being fed with like toxic information? <laughs> One of the things that I think helps people to heal is just like turning off the news and like, and, and really getting away from the toxic environment that that is right. Um, 
And then just, you know, are, are you having toxic rumination about the past in your life? Maybe there's some traumas that occurred emotionally and psychologically. And then uh, on top of that, like spiritually, are you, are you more fixated on the TV and YouTube and technology uh, that would be more toxic to you than like a, a really good spiritual practice and getting out into nature and stuff, you know? So that's kind of how I would break it down into like two things. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, it's like malnourishment and toxins are kind of the way that I'm viewing things. And the, the, that viewpoint kind of goes hand in hand with the terrain theory, you know? And uh, I just find right now, unless I find some other information because I'm, I'm constantly learning and growing um, right now, that seems to be getting the people the best results. And for me too, like getting rid of the toxic food, the toxins that I was being exposed to and really nourishing my body with, with water and healthy foods and other things. That's how I reversed my illness. And that's kind of the paradigm I'm seeing with other people too. So uh, I guess as far as like, what can people do at home, you know, really, really dive into it and, and figure out how to hydrate yourself properly. Um, how can you uh, get more in touch with nature? And, you know, the sun is such a healing tool as well. Getting as much sunshine as you possibly can without burning is a huge factor. And then just think of yourself, like, am I getting nourished every day with the things that I truly need, you know, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And then just trying to remove the toxic garbage. You know, you could do a deep dive into the physical toxins like plastics, drugs, um, endocrine disruptors, pesticides, herbicides, astrazine, glyphosate, you know, and really trying to limit your exposure and then consider like a protocol to help your body to eliminate those toxins really well. And that's kind of what I'm really helping people to do in my consultations is giving them like for them in their particular situation, helping their body to eliminate the toxins so that it can function properly. So there's a lot to it. Um, but if I were to break it down into those two simple things, I think people could find a lot of healing just by viewing it that way. That's amazing. And, um, as you mentioned, you're doing consultations with people and you're available to see people anywhere in the world online, or you're just working with a certain group of people. Do you have like a specialty? We do, we, yeah, we do online. Anybody that, uh, you know, obviously you'll put in some information online and um, I'll just tell you, I very, very rarely reject a person. Uh, based upon what they put in the, the information. So right now, since I'm doing a, a fellowship with Dr. Kaufman, you can go to andrewkaufmanmd.com and there's a consultations tab there that you can select me. And um, from there, you know, it's uh, after that, we can get the ball rolling. And yeah, I, I, you know, I spoke with a gentleman from Denmark the other day. Uh, I met with a girl from that was living in Sweden. So we can see people from all over. That, that's, that's the cool fantastic. thing about technology. I mean, I would love to see people in person, ideally, yeah. but to be able to reach the, the world, the technology, it's, it's pretty incredible too, because uh, I don't necessarily need to be face-to-face -face with someone in real life to be able to do it. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. I'll put that link in the show notes and yeah, if there's any people out there who are looking for a good holistically minded and um sort of bioterrain medicine minded health professional and, and medical doctor um 
yeah, Grayson Dart would definitely be someone who I would recommend and even Dr. Um, Andrew Kaufman um, or Tom Cowan or um, Kelly Brogan, any of these wonderful medical doctors who are yeah. doing good work in that field. Tom, Tom's uh, not doing consultations anymore. He's not consulting <laughs> anymore. Okay. No, no. Yeah. So he's kind of, he's like, I want to ride off into the distance. And... <laughs> he's... But um, yeah. So there's, there's some options out there for people to see. Yeah, there definitely is. So yeah, I'll share those links in the show notes. Dr. Awesome. Dr. Dart, thank you so much for coming and speaking to me and sharing your knowledge and your experience. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. Absolutely, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. It was really good meeting and talking with you too. Absolutely. Thanks so much and we'll stay in touch. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.